We'll get back to today's episode here in a second. But first, this is Ethan Skolnick to tell you about another great party we're having in the Five Reasons Sports Network. Our first one for a Dolphins preseason game at Texas Roadhouse in Miramar was a huge hit. This time, we're going to be celebrating the Hurricanes as they play LSU September 2nd. That's a Sunday before Labor Day, so no school, no work the next day. Starting at about 7 o'clock, we'll be at Uncle Al's Cafe in Sunrise. That's the new Uncle Al's Cafe. It's over on Sunrise and Knob Hill in the Doris Italian Market Shopping Center. We've got a ton of giveaways. We've got food specials, drink specials. We're even going to be giving away a 50-inch television. So come hang out with the hosts of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Drink, eat, and hopefully watch the Canes beat LSU. And now, back to the episode. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice Man, This is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans. Number one, one, of course, y'all. This ain't no ordinary sports talk. Dive up in that fish tank. Go get your aqua orange. Yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank here in the Fish Tank Studios. Seth Levitt and my man, OJ McDuffie. Juice, how we doing today? What's up, Big Seth? I'm pumped today, Juice. You know, I got to tell you. Yeah. I, I uh, Well, first of all, let me tell you this. I know where, I know where we're going you already. You know exactly two, where we're going. Two places we're going already. Well, listen, you keep booking the guests, and I can't thank you enough because everyone's going to blame me, but you keep sending gators, gators my way. Gators, gators, And it's really been a, a wonderful <laughs> job by you. But I am pumped because, look, everybody loves Dan Marino, right? Every, who's your favorite Dolphin? Dan Marino's the easy guy to point to. But my guy growing up was number 89, Nat Moore. Nat, well, first of all, welcome to the fish tank, Nat. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for having it me. Is you know, I've, I've heard so many great things about the, the show. I couldn't wait to get on. I'm like, you know what? I thought they were my boys. You know, they ain't invited <laughs> me yet. What the heck? You shouldn't have had to wait. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so I don't know the about first that. guy out, you know? But, you know, so Juice, you know, you show up to the games, and, and that's easy to find, right? Find the sharpest suit on the field. Correct. Shaking all the hands, you know, he's, he's hobnobbing with all the folks. And, and everybody knows Nat now as this VP of the Dolphins. But the guy I want to talk to today, I want to talk to that guy that was catching touchdowns and helicopter spinning and making <laughs> things happen. Like, the VP stuff is cool. Right. But I want to take it back a little bit. Right. You know, that's what our show's more about, the, you know, Nat Moore, the player. The football player. I uh, use that player and, with an A. Yeah, again. with a player. <laughs> South Florida guy, you know, true and true, man. So it's a, it's, a, it's an honor to have. Uh, I call him Mr. Moore, Nat, you know, 89, whatever. All the different things all that, that. We, he goes by. Uh, it's, it's an honor to have him in the studio with Just him. an old dolphin that loved football, loved, loved uh, being around uh, the young guys and seeing how they play. You know, you play that game for the fun of it. I mean, if you talk about football – and in Dolphin Legends, it's all about the fun we had. You know, the money was good. You know, the, the competition was great. But the fun and the stories and the, and the memories is the most critical thing. That's exactly why we're here today, Nat. So we appreciate you leading us in like that. But, you know, let's start from the beginning a little bit. Because I don't, I don't know that everybody truly understands when we say Nat Moore is Miami. You know, not everybody truly understands that. You know, the, the Miami Edison background, and, and yeah, you you went out to Gainesville a little bit. I certainly don't hate you for it, but yeah, but I'd well, like to hear well, about well, what well, that was I like. I mean, you know, is there a better school in the state of Florida? Not one that I can think I, I, of. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't I can, limit yourself I to the state. I couldn't man. go to Penn State, you know, <laughs> I mean, but by the same token, 
uh, University of Florida was as good as it got. And uh, <laughs> they got me here, so I don't have any complaints. But, yeah, I grew up here in South Florida and uh, went to high school with my Madison, played a little junior college basketball. I see O.J. got a little basketball court out there. I wonder if he's got a game, but, you know, and we'll, we'll cross that path a little bit later. We'll get there. And uh, then I got drafted by the Dolphins, man, and uh, the rest is uh, – you know, all fun and games in history. You know? What was that like, though? So, I mean, you're a Miami kid, and at that point, the Dolphins, everyone talks about the Patriots now, the Patriot way, but the Miami Dolphins, right, three straight Super Bowls at that point, the undefeated season, and you come in 1974. What was that like for you? Man, it was, it was, it was first and foremost thrilling because the, the guys that I idolized uh, in, in high school were now playing for the Miami Dolphins. When I first, when I was in high school, man, the Dolphins couldn't win a game. And then all of yeah. a sudden, in comes Shula in the 70s, and they bring in Warfield and, you know, Bonnie. Connie and and uh, Marv Fleming and they start figuring it out and how to win the mental toughness that was necessary and they'd been to three straight Super Bowls so when I got that call from Shula I'm like going home Super Bowl champions hey man in my first year I'm going back to the Super Bowl (laughs) so it was it was exciting you know the difficult part and uh, I, I don't think everybody knows this because everybody remembers me as a wide receiver. But my whole life, I had been a running back. Mm. I knew nothing about being a wide receiver. Wow. And Warfield and those guys took me under their wings. But, you know, true story, funny story. Um, a guy by the name of Don Bro was just leaving Washington Redskins and was coming to Florida. And I'm coming to Miami. And I said, hey, Don, looky here. I hear you was the wide receiver coach for the Redskins. He says, yeah, you know. I said, well, uh, they're going to make me a wide receiver. I don't know nothing about that. I said, so is there some pointers you can give me that will help me make that transition? He looked me straight in the eye. He says, well, the best thing I can tell you, when you go across the middle, they're going to hit you any damn way. You might as well catch <laughs> the ball. <laughs> <That's exactly laughs> and that stuck with me. Apparently you know? it did. And we'll get to that later, too. That's hey, great. Well, you know, now that can, I can relate, you know, coming into the league with a, an established superstar quarterback. Right. You know, as you did with, with, Bob, with, Greasy. with Bob Greasy. Yeah. You know, and let's talk about a little bit how it was coming in as a running back. It's going to be playing wide receiver with Bob Greasy as your quarterback. And then the transition into you having to deal with a young Marino coming in as your quarterback. Well, believe it or not, uh, my first day with Bob Greasy, he jumped me like he was Marino. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody looks at Bob as this quiet, cerebral guy, and he was cerebral. But by the same token, he would get in your behind if you made a mistake. And uh, that day, we were running 70 basic, all curls, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And I'm attacking the technique, and I jump inside Lloyd Mumford, and I run my round, I'm wide open, but I'm way inside on top of the tight end. And Greasy jumped me like a cheap suit. You got to stay outside and et cetera. You know, and Warfield heard it. And that changed my life because now Warfield took me on his wing. He taught me the principles of release. Now, you know, all I knew was go to him. He taught me to make him come to you. Well, I take a, high, a hard outside release and make him, you know, break down that, that leverage. And now when you jump inside him, you're there. So, I mean, a lot of it was with those guys where they were consummate professionals that they all wanted to help you get better because none of them were worried about their job. If you remember, when you first came in the league, unlike today, there might be three to six guys, new guys on the team to make the team. Correct. Today, it's 26 to 30 new guys every year. So if you wanted to be there at the end of the year, knowing that there is a chance of injuries and et cetera, you had to help each other grow so that if you go down, like Bob Greasy did in the perfect season and Earl Morrow played 11, that, that – that guy can step in and play and perform till you get back. Nobody was worried about whether they were the best. They were just trying to help you get better 
so that we continue to win. It was a very selfless team. Yeah, you talk about Paul Warfield, the, the Hall of Famer, taking you under his wing at that point. Tell me what you what you what else you learned from Paul. And I know that he was he mentored you, but I know that along the way down the road, you had a couple guys come in that you had to end up mentoring yourself. And we'll talk about the the Marx brothers as well. Yeah, but that's the thing that I learned from him is that it's not about you. It's it's about you know you could be the greatest player on the field, but they might not need that need you to be that today. They need you to do something else. You know, the first thing Paul said to me is that I had to make a decision whether it was important for me to play at home and be a part of a winner, or if I wanted to be a great player, then it wasn't going to be in Miami because you're going to be asked to do a whole lot of other things. Paul Warfield's the only receiver in the Hall of Fame that averaged uh, over 20 yards a catch, and every fifth time he touched the football, it was a touchdown. Right. And he Incredible. played in a running system. But people forget that he was in Cleveland, Ohio first. And he had already made his name. He was already that superstar that we traded for. Matter of fact, getting up giving up a first-round draft pick to get Warfield here. So he wanted me to understand that if I wanted to win and wanted to be part of playing for championships, Miami was the right spot. But I also had to realize that I wasn't going to catch a ton of balls. There's going to be other guys catching a ton of balls, but there I could make just as big a name, but I'm going to win more. And we did. Uh, yeah, you won a lot of games, obviously. And then, uh, you know, as you transition, you know, you became the man with the Miami Dolphins and, and, and Paul kind of transitioned out. But then they bring in Duper and Clayton a few years later. How are those guys as rookies, first of all? <laughs> How'd you reel them in, second of all? And how much credit do you take for their success now? I, I don't, you know, I mean, they give me credit. But here, here's what I'm going to tell you. All you can do is, is lead a horse to water. They got a drink. And uh, Mark Duper's first year, man, Mark, Mark had no clue. I mean, he was fast. He was a track guy, had good soft hands, but he had no idea how to play the game. He didn't even play his rookie year. Fastest guy on the team. And then Mark Clayton, his rookie year, made a couple catches in practice, and you go, he's, he's got some skills. And I think that his rookie year, he ended up catching like six balls. The following year, when both of them were on point, was when Dan lit it up. It was 84. Uh, 84. Yeah. You know, if you remember, Dan and, and Clayton came in together in 1983. Right. Clayton out of Louisville, Dan out of Pittsburgh, right? And the year before was when Duper came in. And the sad part was we had had guys coaching that they wanted to be in charge of coaching them, but they didn't understand speed. And, you know, speed kills both ways. And they would have Duper running so fast he couldn't get out of his break. <laughs> you know, I mean, you go so fast, it's hard to stop and cut and et cetera. And then when we started working with him and got him to understand that his speed was only valuable when the ball was in the air or once he separated on his break, then it's an asset. And when he learned that, he was golden. Well, somebody figured something out in 84 because you guys like revolutionized the sport at that point. And it, it was a lot of fun to watch. I can only imagine what it was like in those huddles and those experiences. But those two guys are also you know, not only known for their talent on the field, but their, <laughs> but their personalities. And so you were, what, eight, eight nine-year veteran at that point. It was just fun watching them because yeah. they competed every day in practice to see who was going to be the best. You know, I mean, they're not in the Hall of Fame today, and that's sad. And it's sad Agreed. because they were both catching 80 balls. 
75 balls. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they were so funny that one would get a new contract and he would put in his contract because he knew the other guy was coming up. He could never make less than 100,000 than the other guy, you know. So so automatically, if the, if Clayton got a got a big bump, Duper automatically got a raise. <laughs> so, I mean, negotiating but, right but that was that was what made them the ability, the, the willingness to work together, but also to compete to be that number one guy. You know, Duper started out being the, the pro bowler. But in the end, Clayton ended up being a pro bowler and all-time leading receiver. But was there ever a moment, though, where you're sitting there and you're just scratching your head and you're like, what the hell do I have here with these two guys? Like, no, no, I, I, I think um, you knew of their talent. The thing that I was more amazed of was that they never became petty and jealous of each other, okay? Well, because they and, had it taken care of in the contract, apparently. So they, well, <laughs> well, not only that, but, you know, from a stardom standpoint, you know, sure. some guys want to be the man. Right. Okay. And you being the man don't always lead to victory. And one of the of things that. that we would sit in meetings and, and design plays according to the defense. And, you know, you can get that double single with the high safety over the top. And, you know, you look at who could get the quickest release. Who's going to get the easy release? Okay, you're going to take the easy release. All right, now you're going to attack that safety. Because the other guy still think he got help. Boom, touchdown. That was the way they worked together. That was the way our team was was situated. You know, we would play four tight ends sometime, and you know, the, during the course of the year, we'd play five receivers. You know, don't forget Jimmy Cephalo was still there. Yeah. Joe Rose, Bruce Hardy, uh, Crash Jensen, Tony Nathan coming out of the backfield. Crazy. We had a bevy of a line, talent, yeah. and all these guys could catch the ball and was willing to sacrifice. I mean, I, and I think that all goes back to that 72 team, okay, that nobody realized that to this rec to this day, 1970 through 1973, they still had the winningest percentage of any team for a four-year history in in the game. All sports? Or All, uh, football. And football, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean. That's amazing. And, and the only reason they had that success was that they were willing to sacrifice for each other. Marv Fleming was... His job was to do nothing but block. He could catch, okay? Jim Mann's job was to do nothing but get over and catch footballs and, and score touchdowns. Funny story. I remember playing the Kansas City Chiefs, Willie Lanier, one of the hardest, fiercest hitting linebackers there is. And one of the things that I always pride myself on from, from learning from Warfield is you never hurt. I don't care what they do. Don't let them know they hurt you. And uh, I'm running that curl ride, that, that same 70. And, you know, Greasy didn't have that same zip as Dan, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just, hey, I could see that big helmet coming. I'm like, just get here where I can turn my shoulder and glance and blow. It don't hit me solid. Well, the ball got there the same time he did, and he hit me in my chest. He knocked me back on Emmett Thomas and broke Emmett's nose. Oh, damn. I'm down on the ground, and I can't breathe. But in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm like, don't let him know it hurt you. Warfield said, never let him know <laughs> it hurt you. Yeah, get it. up, go I back to it. the huddle, play one more play, and then go to the sideline. <laughs> right, right. So I do that, right? And, that, you know, 30 years later, man, I'm, I'm in Kansas City at the, the 101 Awards Dinner. And he's at the table with me, and he's sitting there with his arms all folded, big old smile on his face. He looks over at me. You ready to fess up? <laughs> I, said, I said, fess up. He goes, fess up what? He goes, oh, I know I hurt your ass. I don't know who you thought you were fooling standing in one more play. I'm like, yeah, you got me. You waited <laughs> 30, all that time. 30, to get 30 years. He was like, he hadn't forgotten that he got me. That's nice of you to give him that. <laughs> right. 30 years later. 30 years later, he's like, yeah, I know I got you. 
I love though that you know that's almost like some Star Wars Jedi shit where Warfield's head was in your head still that you right. knew like don't let well, him see but, it. But and, you know, I mean, you can ask OJ. There's certain people that make you who you are. You know what? And, and that's both good and bad. Okay, <laughs> very you know, true. I mean, some of the people that struggle in life they had an influence too. All right, but you have people that teach you the right way of doing things, and uh, in the process, if you pay attention, you got a chance to be successful as well. So when Dupe and Clayton came in. Did they immediately get that, or did it take a minute for them to say, oh, wow? Well, they were screw-ups. You know, they were divas before divas, right? I mean, it's kind of what I was trying to get at, Matt. You've been really great. Well, you know, they're my boys. You don't expect me to throw them under the bus. No, I mean, not initially, but, you know. But, no, no, they they basically did things the right way, but they were were young. You know, they wanted to party. They wanted to have a good time. Um, you know, I was the one that owned the club, so you know, it made it easy for me to. Wait, wait, wait. what did what did you say? I heard it. I said I own nightclubs, man. I, you know, I didn't I, make any money playing it. football. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's where the real money was, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, they they had to go through a transformation of learning how to be a pro. I mean, you went through it. I went through it. Fortunate enough for me, Miami never consumed me because I grew up here. But most guys interesting. coming from little small rural areas come here and they get bright lights, oh, yeah. bright City, lights, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. then they get lost. But uh, to their credit, no matter how much fun they had off the field, and they had come some fun. Sunday, yeah, they had some fun. Come Sunday, they're ready to play. Came to work. Yeah, I like that about you. Know that, that drill too, don't you, Drew? Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely, man. You got to got to show up, man. You got to make sure you, you can enjoy yourself as much as you want. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's accountability on game day. Yeah, yeah. That, and it's that, really, you know, really, you think about it that nowadays, kids don't get it. These young guys don't get it. It's through the week, too. Mm-hmm. You know, really, the preparation through the week is important. You got guys who still, I'm sure, they're sleeping meetings, come late, get in trouble, think it's okay, not the best when they go out there on the practice field. And it shows on Sunday. Yeah. You know, so uh, a lot of guys, you know, we need to learn from guys like yourself and the guys like Paul Warfield that came before you that teach you how to be professionals. And that, that's what Irvin Fryer did to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and Irvin, I caught Irvin at the right time in his career. Right. He had his Duper Clay yes, moments yes. when he was younger <laughs> as well. You know what I mean? And, he uh, could have been that other end. Is that what you call yeah, it? He, he admits it. He admits it. It's, I'm not breaking news right here. <laughs> right. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, that part of being professional and, and, you know, showing up and being accountable and being there for your teammates has always been important. Well, I, and, and you know what? You know, we kid and uh, jug at uh, the Marks brothers, but they were always on time for the game. Mm-hmm. They they very seldom ever got fined. I, I think I might have got fi- fined as much as they did, you know, from, <laughs> you know, being late and, and things of that nature. You know, talking about sleeping in the meetings. <laughs> I was notorious for that. <laughs> but, but you know. That's that nightclub I, thing. No, apparently. no. Had nothing to do with nightclubs. I'm in the same system. Yes. I, for 13 years, yeah. nothing changed. Yes. After a while, it's like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I know all that. And then on Thursday, I would take film home and study. Mm. Okay. I mean, I don't know whether you guys realize it. We had that little the little uh, projector where they go click, 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 yeah. click. Yeah. Well, you fall asleep. Call it, film, <laughs> I mean, it, was, it, was, it was pathetic. I mean, and, and you sit there and the guy will run the same snap of the ball 30 times. I'm like, hey, man, I just want to see the defensive back fit what? You know, his feet. What is he doing? Oh, man. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to sleep, watch film on Thursday. Yeah, it's nothing like that. Pause, <laughs> rewind. Pause, yeah. rewind. Same thing. You know, he's just, just talking. The coach is talking. He, you know, doesn't want the play to keep running. 
you know, and that 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 drove me crazy as well. Yeah, and yeah. being in that system, you know, we we had a lot of that system all the way into the nineties when yeah, I got there. Yeah, she will never. We changed. ran 70, 71, 90, 91. We ran all all the same stuff. 84, 85. You know, there's a key in success. If it ain't broke, you don't really that's, need that's to fix right. it. That's right. You know, everybody's always talking about thinking outside the box. And sometimes all you do is trick yourself. And you know what? And, and with Shula's system, Seth, this, and, and, and Nat can attest to this, it could be, he talked about five tight ends or five <laughs> wide receivers, but you still, 70 still 70. Yeah. Like 84 is still 84. So you come in there as a <laughs> wide receiver, but you might be in a fullback position or the tight end position. So you got to know their role as well. So no matter what, you lined up, it's 84. It's always that strong right or 85, that strong left, whatever it is. But you might not be a Y receiver. You might not be an X or, or a Z. You could be a Y, a fullback, a, a running back, but you got to know the same responsibilities, man. So getting in there and learning all that, was that was half the battle for me. And that, I know you played every single position on that field, and that was that's key to staying on the field at any time or you know, being able to flex out or be in the slot or be in the backfield. Well, that system was like that. The, the more you knew, the longer your career lasts. And Nat Moore's career has lasted quite some time because he is still rocking all that Dolphins gear. Juice, I need to get me yeah, some of that no, stuff. So right? we'll have to it's have that conversation. Good, 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 good stuff. Uh, you guys do know Joey, right? Yes, we yeah, do. We, we know Joey. Okay, all right. Joey, Joey, that, Joey. That, you know, it ain't like I went out and purchased this. <laughs> <laughs> we're not on that payroll any longer either, though. That's good stuff. Speaking of which, we're going to take a quick break, see if we can pay some bills so we can get some of that gear. We'll be right back with Nat Moore. Previously on the Five Reasons podcast, we were joined by Miami Dolphins receiver Jakeem Grant. Nobody knows. Like, I actually didn't start playing football. My mom put me in football because I also I love skating. And I made two dudes fall at the same time. And my mom was sitting there watching. And the next day, the next thing you know, she signs me up for football the next day. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I just, I just did that for fun. And it was, the rest was history. Be sure to catch that episode and all the other episodes of the Five Reasons Podcast available on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good design is good business, but great design can be a game changer. Whether you need a new company logo, dynamic presentation decks, or want to bring a Winwood-style mural to your corporate office or event, Thunderous Genius will exceed all of your expectations. The Thunderous team has worked with your favorite sports franchises, athletes, and entertainers, and can't wait to bring that perfect blend of creativity and structure to you as well. So contact them at thunderousgenius.com. Say that the fish tank sent you and receive a 50% discount off your first project. Half off! So what are you waiting for? It's time to get Thunderous. And now, on to the show. We are back in the fish tank with Nat Moore breaking down some amazing stories, Juice, and uh, has given us a free reign in the equipment room. So, Joe Chimino, if you're listening, <laughs> Juice and I will be coming the to see you. Vice President yeah. gave us free reign. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about the executive, but right now I do if it means we're going to get some gear. We're going to get some gear. But, so, Nat, earlier you were telling us about coming in as a rookie and, you know, the mild-mannered Bob Greasy jumping you, uh, you know, you didn't run a route the way he wanted you to. And, and as Juice alluded to, you end up with, I don't know how many receivers can say they played with back-to-back -back Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but you that's certainly great, that's did. That's a great stat right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, un unreal if you think about. Uh, lucky. Lucky for you, lucky. lucky for us as Dolph fans, you know, watching that for such a long time. So Dan comes in. We've all seen the television replays of Dan chewing out this guy or yelling at that guy and he was fiery and 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 we loved it as fans and go in and throw a touchdown and but i gotta imagine your demeanor as an eight or nine year vet in that huddle as opposed to the rookie who yes bob okay i got it maybe things were a little bit different what was that like in that huddle with dan marino 
and, and your experience at that stage? Well, by the time Dan came in, you know, all of a sudden now Coach Shula was calling the plays. Mm. Where Greasy was the quarterback, Greasy called everything. He ran everything on offense. You know, we went through David Woodley, Don Strzok, and that's when Shula first started calling the plays. Now here comes Dan, and Shula's calling the plays. You know, Dan want to throw it every down, and they're sending in runs, and he's like, I ain't calling that. You know, I mean, and I'm like, Dan, calm down, calm down. Every now and then you got you to run the ball, otherwise they're going to stop blocking for you. And Dan gives me, all right, I'm going to run it this time. But if we don't get five yards, we ain't running no more this damn game. Right? So, and he meant it, huh? Every word of it, right? So things are going along. And, and uh, you know, when, when things are going good, everybody's happy. You know, and, sure. well, you know, you go, you play a team and you're sort of struggling on offense. And Dan's trying to get it out there. And, you know, you're not open and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, TV loves to catch the quarterback yelling at the receiver, sure. right? And he's pointing and et cetera, you know. And we get in the meetings to say, Hey, I saw you pointing at me. <laughs> that was you that threw the damn ball over my head. Don't be right. <laughs> so, Oh huh? yeah. So Dip used to be like, "Hey man, don't be doing that. Don't be embarrassing me like that." And and then like, "Oh, oh I'm sorry, Dupe. I'm sorry, Dupe." Then next week he get him again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, "Hey, that was part of it, man. The quarterback's in charge, and whenever you get to a point where the receiver is bigger than the quarterback, you got a problem." Oh, I bet. You got a problem because in the end, there could only be one guy in control. And ain't but two guys touch the ball every time. It's the center and the quarterback. And it sure as heck ain't going to be the center. Right. <laughs> so, right. so realistically, you, you, you've got to allow the quarterback to, to be that leader, whether he's a quiet leader or a fiery leader. I believe that teams or groups take on the personality of whoever that leader is or who that leader is supposed to be. Good or bad, right? Yes, yeah. without a right, doubt. Right, right. Interesting. That's funny you say that about the Monday morning or the Monday afternoon film oh. where, you know, you, you get berated on Sunday on TV in front of the whole world, and then on, on Monday you watch the film and – Sometimes, Dan, there's been a few times where Dan's like, no, you're right, Juice. You're right. You're right. I said, yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. Yeah, well, the rest uh, of the world doesn't know that. Uh, but, you know, now you're telling me I'm right. But what about the rest of the world that uh, thinks because I'm, you know, it's a 15, 16, 17-year vet quarterback, right. the receiver had to be wrong in that situation. Well, I, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a good one because Duper and Marino used to crack me up, especially in the meetings, right? You know, we go up and play New England, and, and Dupe's got a bad knee. You know, he's skating coming out of his break. So now we're watching film on Monday. And uh, he looks over at Marino and goes, hey, I know you told Shula because Shula jumped him in the game about getting out of his break. I know you told Shula I wasn't coming out of my break. I'll tell you what, <laughs> you the million-dollar quarterback, we're going to play this new game. Lights are off. <laughs> and you know how, how the quarterback sits and receives it. And we're, we're, we're all, all of our ears wait, are perking wait, up wait, now. Wait, wait. What's the so, new game? So, so Dan goes, well, okay, dude, what's the new game? He goes, from now you're going to throw the ball where I'm at, not where I'm supposed to be. You got the man. <laughs> so, so true enough, you know, we're cracking up, right? And the rest of the, the, the meeting, Duper's going, all right, you know what, Dan? Everybody got a coach but you. From now on, I'm your damn coach. So every play when Dan throws the ball, well, Dan, what kind of pass was that? Was that a pass of a million-dollar quarterback or was that some Babbitt stuff? I can't wow. use the right. actual yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a podcast. You can, yeah, but I respect you where you're going. So <laughs> this is going on, and I mean, by now, we're all rolling. Clayton, myself, Don Schrock, we're laughing because they're going at it. And Dan says, dude, I throw you perfect pass. He goes, Marino, I make you. <laughs> you couldn't overthrow me if your life depended on it, right? So we know when we go out for, for the little stretch, <laughs> it's on. 
So true enough, we get out there. They get a 90 call. Dupes on the left side, Clayton's on the right side. I'm I'm back there, and we know where the ball's going. Clayton comes off the ball, don't even run. He's right. looking he knew to he the other no side. Chance. He knew he just wanted to watch so, it himself, right? So, you know, Marino <laughs> goes back five steps, supposed to slide up and throw the football. Dupes supposed to go eight to ten, stutter, and then blast. Marino goes back five steps, never steps up, just launches it. Fly. it. He just <laughs> launches it, right? He's going – Dipper goes eight to ten, never stuttered. He just kept running. He knew it, and it looked like looked like Dan had got him right, and and it was, and Duke just found that little extra turbo and caught it on his fingertips. He come back, see Dan, I know you better now. You know yourself. I knew you was gonna throw it early. You wow. cheating? <laughs> he set him up. <laughs> but they were so good together. I mean, that's why no they're doubt. so close. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go and you look at Dan right now and. And the guys that he associate with, the guys he always look out for, you know, it's it's those receivers and et cetera that were he loves part those guys. Of, yeah, I mean, anytime they need anything, anytime they call, he's there for them. And and that's that's why you remember I said it was about the fun. It was about the relationships sure. that we built. Same thing when you play with Dan. If you call Dan right now, boom, he's right there yeah. for you. I mean, that's what I respect. I respect the great talent that Marino had, but I respect the fact that when any time his guys call. He makes that effort to be there. Most superstars don't do that. Yeah, that he does, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Nat, everybody knows Nat Moore. You know, they know uh, 500 plus catches, 7,500 yards, 74 touchdowns. 74 touchdowns. 74 up ends. That's, that's getting in the end zone right there. You forgot that 100 uh, block linebackers. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. yeah that. On, on support or crackbacks? Crack, crackbacks. 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 <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people always want to talk about, of course, the spin versus Jets in 84. Now, me looking at it, you know, you, you, you talk about what Paul Warfield taught you to, you know, get up, you know, don't ever let him know you got hurt. That looked like it's a little painful, Nat. Tell, tell me about your mindset, why you were spinning, after the, everything about that play, because it seems like you were in the air for a long time, so you had to be, some things had to be going through your mind while you were Oh, yeah. There was a whole <laughs> lot of things going through my mind. Uh, you know, we had actually ran that play the series before, and it was further out on the field, and uh, I catch the football, and as I'm going down, my elbow hit, the ball pops out, and... Uh, you know what it's like to go over after you screwed up and have to deal with Shula and all the nice things he had to say to me. Uh, and the one that lasted the most, that hurt the most was, we'd have been better off if you didn't catch the football. At least we could have punted it away oh, instead damn. of running it back 40 yards. <laughs> so he has made an impression on me at that point in time. And we get the same call. And uh, we're going in, and I'm thinking, okay, catch it score. Just go over Ken Shroy's shoulder, land in the end zone, make up for that fumble. And as I'm halfway over his shoulder, Kurt Spring comes in and he hits me and I start turning. And I promise you not, (laughs) there was one thought going through my mind the whole time I'm spending. Please don't let this damn football go because you don't want to have to go see Don Shula again. (laughs) See, that's great coaching right there. (laughs) Hey, man, he was the best at it. You know, he was so good at getting you to try when you thought you were banged up, injured, couldn't play, he'd come over to you, you know, and uh, what's the verdict? And the doctor already told him, you know, that you probably shouldn't play. Well, you know, doc, think I shouldn't play. Forget him. What you think? Oh, what are you going to say? Right. I'm going to give it a try. And I can tell you, more times than not, you would be shocked how well you played because a lot of it is just, you know, in the mind getting through that first initial pain and then all of a sudden the adrenaline takes over and you feel nothing and now you feel it like hell after the game (laughs) but during the game you're so engrossed in the game and that you're able to play and i'd like to say that coach shula was probably the best at 
getting you to play up to and sometime beyond what you thought mm. you were capable of. And that's why he won. What did he did on Sunday? Did a yeah. whole lot of winning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, he did. So and and you you know we talked about you just talked about the helicopter spin. What I was wondering about that, and I love hearing that story. But you know you you get these actors that become iconic for a particular role, and and everybody loves them for that particular role, and then all of a sudden they're tired of talking about that. They don't want to be that character anymore, and I, you don't know how do they walk away from this multi million dollar deal. Do you ever get tired of hearing about the damn helicopter spin? Do you ever say you know I had this well, whole career? I, yeah, I, I think I think it's like anything. You 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 have to embrace things regardless because I look at it at the end of my career. I'm number two or three in every category. But I'm remembered more for going over the middle, catching the ball. I'm remembered for the helicopter. I'm remembered for blocking. You know what? That just proved that I was a complete receiver. And in the end, I end up playing longer than any receiver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't I don't look at things and feel like I ever got cheated or I'm not happy because I don't get this accolade or that accolade. I look at it as, damn, man, I had a hell of a ride. He did. Now, didn't get this accolade or that accolade. Can you find Nat's name in the stadium when you go, Juice? Like, uh, absolutely. 1,000%. But I understand exactly. But if, yeah. you go, if you go out and you perform and do your job and do what's asked of you, hopefully in the end you'll get rewarded. And that, and that's Because in the end, you don't control anything else. You don't do the voting. You know, we all would love to have been going into the Hall of Fame. Sure. You know, we all would love to, to have more catches. But you don't control that. What you control is the opportunity and the things they're ask you, asking you to do. And if you do that and you do it well, nine out of ten times you're going to get rewarded and you will be remembered for being that player that was not a me guy but was a we guy. Speaking of being rewarded and doing your job, you know, the 84 season, as we just said, I mean, you guys just literally rewrote the record books. Mm-hmm. 85, you weren't half bad either. But what people really remember in 1985 was a particular <laughs> game on a Monday night undefeated Chicago Bears, 12-0, could not be beat, monsters, in the, you know, all this stuff, and they come down here, and they ran in a little something that. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that everybody failed to understand is they were the best defense in football. We were the best offense. We're pretty good at what we did also. Oh, and by the way, we were the team coming back from the Super Bowl. They hadn't been to the Super Bowl yet. So to come in our place on a Monday night and think that we're going to be the second-class citizen made absolutely no sense. I can tell you this here. In 13 years of playing in the Orange Bowl, the electricity in the stadium that night, I'd never felt before or after. Wow. I mean, it was electric. And uh, it was like the game was moving along slow. You know, you could see things happening before it happened. Coach Shula decided that that game, he wanted me to line up at tight end. That was to combat the 46 defense where they bring the linebacker over. So if they didn't, Dave Dorson's got to cover me, which is a safety. And if they did and they didn't blitz, Wilbur Marshall got to cover me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like a home run. So, uh, And Coach Shula in his own little way goes, and if you let those guys cover you, maybe I got the wrong guy on this team, right? He, and there he, he is. He has a little right. fire, you yeah. know. I love it. And uh, true enough, uh, we were able to hit him for two touchdowns early in the ball game. And what made it so bad, and going back to Duper and Clayton, <laughs> was uh, – Wilbur Marshall was at the University of Florida. Matter of fact, he was a tight end when he first went to the University of Florida. And uh, I was the guy that helped talk him into becoming a linebacker. You know, I always would kid him, you still want to be a tight end? He, so that night, 
I'm talking to him before the game like we old buddies. I didn't tell him that the game plan was for me to wax him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, true enough. Well, bait and, and you, switch there. Yeah, so true enough, I beat him for a touchdown right before the half. And uh, we come out in the second half and Mark Clayton yelling at him. Hey, Wilbur. Hey, Wilbur. That old man is kicking your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Wilbur's eyes are getting red and yeah, bloodshot, right? And, and I'm like, Mark, mm-hmm. leave him alone. He's going to hurt you. <laughs> you better leave him alone doing the game. He's going to jump offside and hurt you if you don't leave him alone. He goes, man, I don't care nothing about him. I'm, I know I care about you. Leave him the hell alone. Wilbur had a little screw loose. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he had a lot of screws loose. <laughs> <laughs> and that sideline, who was on the sideline for that game? You know, other than the, the current players. Yeah, they, they you know, and, and that's what I mean about how electric it was that night. That night, the, the perfect season team was there. Juice, I didn't even know it. I mean, I'm, I'm, you remember how we used to have a pregame meal four hours before, and then you got to get to the stadium two hours. We finished pregame meal, and that little quick meeting, I was at the stadium. I, I mean, I was like a caged animal, just, I mean, I'm ready to play. I mean, it's Monday night football, the world's watching. And we're the second-class citizens, but we got the most explosive offense in football for two years. And we ain't supposed to be able to score on them? No, bro. Yeah. No, man, no. oh, man. That was, that, was, that was a good one there. But you, re- yeah. like, you didn't know those guys were there? because no, I didn't, I didn't even, even realize they were on the sideline. Wow. I mean, I was so focused that when we weren't in the game, I'm on the sideline watching the defense. Wasn't no such thing as sitting back on the bench, you know, I ain't. No, 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 no. no. I, I've never been that guy. Right. I'm that guy. I'm up on the sideline. I'm watching my D. I'm rooting them on. You know, I remember one game, I'm watching the game, and all I kept hearing was A.J. Dewey on the tackle. A.J. Dewey on the tackle. Damn, man, A.J. having a hell of a game. Then they came out with the stats. I go like, A.J. got two tackles. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. You know, our guy upstairs can't see a lick. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I worked with that guy in the press box. I know exactly what you're talking about. But you know how that goes. I mean, he's only reacting to who someone points at on the chart. Yep. Right. And you're thinking Ages having a hell of a game, and now maybe it's Ernie Rome or, or Bob Brzezinski that's making all those tackles. But I'm there watching, man. I, I, I've i always been a fan of the game, okay? So if there weren't some corrections that we're sitting back on the bench that we need to do, I'm up there watching the game. I, when I left football, I ain't missed the camaraderie. I missed Sunday. Right. I missed competing, Okay. Right? Um, so I still yeah. see that though now. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched a practice with Nat, but you know, oh, yeah. when we I, when sat I worked there, we watched team. a couple of them together, man. <laughs> man. You know, we sit there just like we're, a learning we're, just like we're watching for me. film, and you know, we we we're out there critiquing. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's what it's all about, man. Nat and I are, you know, not only former players, we're huge fans of this team. Yes, love you this know, team. and we we go out there, man, and you know, we 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 live and die with this team. I, I, I feel the same thing when we're either at the stadium for games or in practice watching together, man. It's like we're like, man, how can we get this right? Because we want nothing more than for this team to be successful again, man. That's what it's all about. You know what blew me away when I first came back to the Miami Dolphins? OJ had retired, et cetera. He had 20 seats. I'm like, what are you doing with 20 seats? <laughs> hey, man. I'm just like, well, hey, we yeah, got this. Su- section, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey, man, we got, uh, uh, we got the suite. Now you can get the No, no, no. I, no we, we got our right down front. There was a party, I mean, man. Exactly I admire that about the brother. You know? Yeah. I mean, he didn't And they were good seats, too, oh, man. Yeah, they were good seats. no 400. No, 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 no. He was right down watching yeah. it from the end zone. You know? Before the canopy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We were burning up down there, boy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, but, but that's that. I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. You know what? If you really, really love the game, you're there with them thick or thin. And if you can help them, 
you try and figure out a way to help yeah. pass along a little knowledge that's going to make them better. If there's one thing that I truly, truly love about Adam Gase, and there's a lot, but the fact that he's not intimidated and he welcomes the fact of having former players come out there and talk to his players and let him know if they see anything. I mean, you're only going to get better if you're willing to accept help. I mean, there's guys who have done it before yeah. and did it's it true. well. That's yeah. great to hear, though. That's yeah. true. Because yeah. Yeah. that's that's not always the case. No, no. I mean, some coaches believe that this is their system and they don't want you screwing it up, and I understand that. But, you know, a, a lot of times it's not about screwing it up. It's just about I might see something that the kid is doing that you're so busy and bogged down in other things. Um, if you remember Chris Chambers, another phenomenal player for us. Sure. At one point, he was having issues catching the low ball. He'd catch everything high, but anything coming in low, he had a problem. Hey, man, y'all need to check his vision. You know why I know that? Because I had it. Right. Okay? You, you just never know when somebody could say, hey, man, take a look at this here. And it might not be right. But at least you got a chance to see how to fix it if it is right. So, yeah. And, and I got to imagine, right, I mean, you know, we've all got children and you, you raise your kids and your kids listen to you. But at some point they start to tune certain things out and mm-hmm. then somebody else tells them something one time. And you're like, well, what the hell? I've been telling you that forever. <laughs> so there's got to be a little bit of that. I think when a guy knows that you've done it, that you've been on that field yeah. and done what he wants to do. I have to imagine that there, you know, as long as you're dealing with a good guy, that there's a certain level of respect that they're going to want to hear what you have to offer. Well, I think the biggest thing is too many times I can go out there and and change everything they do, but it doesn't fit the system that they're running. And that's what most coaches are worried about, that you're going to start teaching them something that doesn't work with what they're doing. So it's all about the little things, the little idiosyncrasies that come in football you know, just how to get off the jam. I ain't going to teach you to run the route because that ain't maybe the way they want the route ran. Right. But if I can help you beat the jam at the line of scrimmage so you can get into the route. (laughs) You know, little things like that is critical. And sometimes coaches, like you say, are telling them the same thing, but for whatever reason, they're not getting it. You know, three people can tell you the same thing, but only one of them will stick. I'm the most avid golfer, as you alluded to, to start the show. And I had a uh, had a problem, and Coach Shields to always bother me about my my right elbow flies. And I'm hitting the ball good, but he's just jacking me around about my elbow, right? So now I'm like, okay, I got to keep this elbow tucked, and I'm trying to keep it tucked inside and hit the ball. And man, I couldn't hit the ball nowhere. I go to one of my my coaches, and they're working on it with me, and I can't hit it nowhere. And it was an old guy sitting there. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but he played in the old days on the uh, Black Black Tour. His name was Joe Roach. And he said, uh, you mind if I say something to you, young blood? I said, right now, I'll take any Because <laughs> I felt so bad. It was, And he, he, he stood across from me. He said, address the ball. And then he went and stood back there. He said, now just pass me the club. Pass me the club. And every time that elbow stayed down, I passed him the club. And everything was... Wait a minute. I just spent two hours with a, another teacher yeah. locking it in, paralyzed. And I don't want to know and, what that and, guy's and, hourly rate was. <laughs> yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> but just the communication of saying, pass me the club. There goes my, my golf game just got yeah, better. That's it. Man, you I, were hired really you, I, hired, I hired him and put him to work teaching junior golf at the FCA, you know, Fellowship Christian Athlete. Wow. Yeah, awesome. Family Christian Association, excuse me. So you know Nat is not only a a legendary player for the Dolphins, but he's got that media experience because he just – that was my segue that I needed to my next segment. He hasn't (laughs) even looked at what the the list is here. But, you know, Juice, we could talk about all the touchdowns and the spins and all those things. 
you cannot talk about Nat Moore without talking about community and commitment to community. You know, there's a reason it's the Nat Moore Community Service Award, which, side note, I'm a little bitter since, since I started running JT's foundation. We never, we never took one of those home. But, that's, <laughs> you know, that's just a little side note to that thing. But, but all seriousness, <laughs> he was trying to keep a straight face. He was trying to keep a straight face. But, Juice, you, you know, and all the work you've done in the community, uh, the opportunities I've had to work with Jason and the things we've been able to do, you know, to look at what Nat did and continues to continues do to in do. this community. What is it, Nat, that that drove you when you played and that continues to drive you to do things for young people here in South Florida? Just just being thankful, realizing where I came from and that if it had not been for others, I wouldn't be here today. You know, everything starts at the top, I believe. And if you go back and just you can relate to this. With Shula, we used to always have the United Way come in and ask for money to help people that were struggling, uh, and, uh, agencies that were taking care of kids. And it just seemed like, you know, I've been blessed and I got this opportunity and this platform. What am I going to do with it? Is it going to be more than just football? You know, South Florida has always been my life. Miami, be matter of fact, Dade County has always been my life. So if, if I'm not willing to be a part of the solution to make it a better place to live, shame on me. Mm. And uh, with that being said, you know, when you're doing things the right way, it's easy to get support. You got a lot of people that want to be involved if you're doing something that's right and it helps others. It's not about helping yourself all the time. And uh, if you look at what the former players that have come here, and I think two years ago, three years ago, we, we decided to showcase that at halftime. But think about this. Nick Bonacani and what he's done with Miami Project. Yeah, well, guess what? You know, yes, his son ended up in things happen for a reason. Dan Marino and what he's been able to do. Mm-hmm. JT, what he's been able to do. I mean, OJ, Sam, I mean, Vernon Carey. You just keep going down the line and it just keeps going. Larry Little, John Arfordal, what he's doing now. It Dwight, all started Dwight Stevenson. Dwight Stevenson. Yep, it all started with being a part of something and realized that we can do more to make South Florida a better place. It ain't about you. It's about who you help. There it is. And it, But, you know, the reality is, and you say it ain't about you, but all those guys you mentioned, I, I can guarantee, and I don't want to speak for you, Juice, and they saw what you did. Exactly right. And that's where it starts a lot of yeah. times. It starts to, you know, go on to the events that Nat's doing to, to make a better uh, community for the kids. So once, once Nat gets you going to his events, and like you said, Coach Shula had us. We were in the community every Tuesday as <laughs> yep, well yep, on our right. off days uh, doing visits as well. That's when you start wanting to do your own thing as well, you know, and everybody always scratch each other's back in this community. Mm-hmm. It, started, it does start with Nat Moore and Don Shula, the Dolphin organization, Everybody else branches off and have their own, uh, you know, nonprofits. And everybody watches each other, man. There's not a weekend that goes by that somebody's not doing something and guys are out there showing a ton of support. And, and I must say my hat's off. You know, we, we've been blessed in this organization with three great owners, starting with, with Joe Robbie. Joe Robbie didn't have any money. But somehow or another, we were able to get, get things done. Somehow or another, we were able to be a part of the community. And then, of course, when you think about Wayne Heising and what he has meant and what he has done here in South Florida. Now, Steve has a place in Palm Beach, but he's in New York. But nobody does more to make South Florida a better place than he does. I mean, so the Miami Dolphins organization as a whole has had three great owners, and they all cared about South Florida. That's why the Miami Dolphins will always be number one. That's right. So with that and commitment to community, and again, we, you know, we actually do some research here, Nat. We don't just, you know, show up and turn the mics on. So you say. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to prove it to you. So, and, and gosh, I, I certainly know a lot about the work you've done in the community, but I was doing a little research and I came across an article. And in this article, I learned that you mentioned the nightclub thing, mm-hmm. which I didn't really know that story. But this article, Juice, it held you responsible for essentially creating Miami Base. Like this article gave you credit as one of the pioneers, and it talked about the roller skating rink <laughs> and a guy who you gave his first job in the music industry mm-hmm. by the name of Luther, Luther Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, and uh, I tell you a funny story about that is that I bet uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> uh, in 1977, 78, I think it was, I got into teenage disco. Wasn't a DJ. I just bought the equipment and uh, helped some uh, young guys become DJs. 99 Jams was the number one station at that time. I can get spots for $10. A, and um, had a guy by the wish name. they still had those rates, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Jimmy, Jimmy G was the star DJ, and, and I hired him. And at that time, I was paying him $200 a night. We're going to do teen dances, just something to keep the kids off the street. If they're in a uh, National Guard Armory or a hall dancing with us, they can't be getting in trouble. Something for them to do on Friday, Saturday night. And uh, we started out and wasn't making a whole lot of money, but we got pretty good at it. Next thing you know, it was a lot of money. And um, he was one of those guys that didn't have any foresight as the uh, the lead DJ. He just wanted his money. And uh, when we were struggling, I'd had to reach in my pocket and mm. pull out, you know. All of a sudden, we're making a ton of money. And he's like, hey, hey, <laughs> is there, do, I, do I get a little bonus yeah. tonight? A little renegotiation here. <laughs> no, no, here's your 200. Keep going, right? And eventually, I hooked up with a guy by the name Jerry Russian, who eventually took over, not only ran 99 Jams until Cox Media Group bought him to hopefully get that 99 Jams under their banner because Hot 105 couldn't touch him at that time. Along the way, we started to do nightclubs and did the roller skate rink. Larry Little was my partner, a guy named Willie Taylor with with, with uh, the Burger Kings. He had the number one and number three Burger Kings in, in the uh, city at that point. So we started this roller rink, and I'm standing there one night, you know. No, I got practice tomorrow, but I'm just hanging out. I see this little kid with a cigarette in the roller skating rink. I'm like, hey, man, what's wrong with you? He looked. I said, don't you know smoking will stunt your growth? And he looked at me again. That was Luther Campbell. I made him put out the cigarette. He never <laughs> forgot it. So as, as we moved on and as the DJ business started to happen, when he decided he wanted to really get engaged, Jerry Russian is the real guy that helped him. Jerry was in control of the radio station, et cetera, et cetera. And when, when Luke really took off and things started to flourish, I went and started a printing company. So we started doing all his labels for his CDs and records. No kidding. Yeah. Now it was hard getting paid on time. <laughs> yeah. I bet, <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> uh, but no, we, we, we have a real close bond and relationship. Matter of fact, for probably eight, nine years, Luke lived two blocks from me. Well, I knew you guys were tight. I just didn't know the history behind it. And I, I called Juice. I said, Juice, you're not coming. We got to talk stuff. to Nat about Absolutely. this, man. But, man, Nat's a pioneer at Miami base. I've like, actually seen known? Luther at the game quite a few times uh, in the 72 club. Yeah. He, he's a big Dolphin as well. And, you know, Luther gets a lot of negative press because of uh, some of the antics and et cetera. But, you know, a minute ago we were talking about community. At one point there was no one, no one, that did more in the South Florida community for the inner city than Luther Campbell. He was totally supporting 
the Optimus football program where they were developing championship after championship. He was, uh, he was supporting the baseball program, the basketball program, anything that came out of uh, what we used to call Mantle Park. He footed the bill. And um, I remember one year he calls me up. He says, hey, man, my team's won the chance to go play for the championship in Orlando, the Pop Warner. Okay, Luke, I need $5,000 to help with the busing. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Luke, I'll give you five. They go up and they win. Calls me next week. And that, they won, but they got to go back and now play for the championship. championship yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, he called Dan. And Dan... Gave him money. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard not to help kids when they're doing things the right way. Sure. You know, I mean, that $5,000, you know, I'm going to miss it, but I ain't going to miss it that much. It probably had a bigger impact in giving kids a chance to leave Dade County, which might not ever do it again. So it's all good, man. Well, it has been all good, Nat. So, uh, great, yeah, really great, appreciate man. you diving in <laughs> here with us. As OJ and I were talking about earlier, we've we've had guys that OJ played with or I worked with, but to be able to say, you know, here's somebody that that saw things and did things that we only got a chance to watch on television or or, or watch growing up, uh, and to hear some of those stories, it's been a lot of fun for me personally, and I appreciate you taking the time because I know they got you working over there. Well, well, it's really great to see that you're still working. I've watched OJ work his whole career here, you know, from when he came in and became an instant player, instant star. You know, I'm still wondering about you. you know, <laughs> <laughs> My day will come, Matt. I promise you. Well, I'm going to figure this thing out sooner or later. Uh, I could help you, Seth. You left yourself wide open <laughs> for that one. <laughs> I set it up. But I, you know what? I'm going to hear from Matt tomorrow or something. We talk, you know, because... I, again, the guy I work for doesn't return calls too often, so now he knows he can reach me. He knows he can reach me. But seriously, greatly appreciate you uh, coming in. Certainly appreciate the sponsors that support the Fish Tank, DJ Preach producing the show. And uh, anytime you want to come back in, we'd love to have hey, you. Man. Thank you. Great show. Hey, Great thanks show. for diving in, Nat. Love it. You're now diving into the Fish Tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive in fish tank Aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank Rockin' with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank
Amen. Amen. Amen.